backroom politics. And good afternoon out there in Radio Land. It is Tuesday, which means it is time for the best political talk show you've never heard of. It is Backroom Politics, live on Blog Talk Radio from <clears throat> excuse me, the National Capital Region here in Washington, D.C. It's a uh, short roster today. Joining me as they do every Tuesday, well, he's the only one joining me this Tuesday. He is the former Undersecretary of Commerce who served under at last count four presidents. He is a longtime Senate staffer, a longtime Washington insider. He's a man we know as the Honorable Alan Moore. Hello, Alan. Hello, Justin. Uh, we have got a lot to talk about, just you and me today. I mean, where do we start? Do we start with the Israeli move from Tel Aviv, or the embassy move from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem? Do we start with the, G- the GOP endorsing Roy Moore? Do we go back and forth on the SCOTUS cake case? There's so much. I thought we would start with what everybody's buzzing around town is, and that is the latest out of the Mueller Russia investigation. For those who have been living on an island in the middle of the Pacific, if you have not heard, this is what happened. Late last week, it was announced that former National Security Advisor and former three-star Army General Michael Flynn uh, ended up making a deal with the Mueller Special Counsel's Office and the Department of Justice, pleading guilty to one charge of lying to the FBI. Uh, there is a lot of speculation going around as far as why he took this plea deal, how the Mueller Special Counsel's Office got to him, what was in the plea deal. The bigger news is that in a statement, not just two hours, after he appeared in a federal court here in Washington, D.C., uh, General Flynn made a statement in which he basically came out and said that he is, in fact, cooperating with the special counsel's office. That started a huge buzz of defensive play maneuvering at the White House and in the external counsel's office for the uh, Trump administration. The Trump Well, let me rephrase that. President Trump tweeted not 48 hours later that, in fact, he fired uh, General Kelly because he lied to Vice President Pence and to the FBI. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. uh, General Flynn. Who did I say? Kelly. No, no, no. Don't want to incriminate General Kelly. General Flynn. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, it's okay. Yeah, General General Flynn, he fired General Flynn because of him lying to Vice President Pence and to the FBI, which many now have many legal authorities and many legal experts are now saying that the president might have incriminated himself in that tweet. So much around this uh this whole situation, Alan, you know, it's hard to be, it's hard to even begin. Where do we start with this? Well, yeah, there, I agree with you. There, there are a bunch of pieces to it. Um, uh, I think that, uh, that the key place to stay focused is what is it that Flynn has to give up in exchange for a charge that was not as extensive uh, or as serious as what it appeared that he might be charged with. And I say extensive because – in the single charge that carries a potential maximum prison sentence of five years, 
there are five or six different lies that uh, that Flynn told, which legal experts will point out could have been five or six different separate charges, each carrying a potential five-year penalty. So Flynn, at least at this point, he's not guaranteed that there won't be additional charges, but the ones that are included in this charge are basically taken care of. Um, and so his maximum exposure would be, uh, according to what we see now, would be five years. And if he cooperates and delivers something, so there's two issues. He can be totally forthcoming, but he has to deliver something that the Mueller people find useful. Um, there are people in the White House who were senior members of the transition when some of these conversations uh, with, with the uh, – uh, with the Russia, the actual conversations with Russians occurred, um, who he shared information with about those conversations, uh, and apparently, at least in one or two instances, he was either directed, asked, or encouraged to make these calls. the The big question is whether the president, what the president knew, um, and when he knew it, um, uh, but. People like Jared Kushner, Donald Trump Jr., Steve Bannon, uh, Reince Priebus, and and a few others were also in the transition, also apparently in this loop. Now, if if any of them also lied to the FBI about what they knew and when they knew it, they would have – Well, that becomes conspiracy. uh, that comes becomes well, conspiracy. No, not necessarily, but but it, it what it becomes, what it becomes is their vulnerability to the same kind of charge that uh, that that Flynn has uh, has pled to, meaning lying to the FBI. I agree with you. If it turns out that there are three or four people who who tell the same lie, um, uh, th- then that that. Uh, sounds conspiratorial, whether that's uh, that's illegal or not, in and of it, separate and apart from lying to the FBI. I don't know. I do believe that that most of the others talked to the FBI after Flynn talked to the FBI, and it may well be that Flynn was fired for lying to Pence the vice president about his conversations with the Russians um, uh, before anybody else even talked to the FBI. The irony in all of this is yeah, but I think to Alan, the Russians. Things, I think one of the things yeah, that we got ahead. to bring up here, Alan, one of the things we have to bring up here, Alan, is the fact that, you know, if we, Mueller, this is not Mueller's first rodeo. I mean, Mueller knows exactly what he has in Flynn. Mueller doesn't make this deal. Unless he's got some sort of gold mine in General Flynn. If you look at the possible charges that Flynn was looking at, including failure to register as a, federal, as a foreign agent, including money laundering, including there was even talk in some circles here in Washington, there was possible kidnapping charges that could have been brought 
in some instances. There was a litany of stacked felonies that General Flynn was looking at that all of a sudden he's looking down the barrel of a Class C felony in federal court, which has a max of five years. Do you not think that Flynn is singing like a canary and that this is probably the biggest vulnerability that the Trump administration has in this whole circle? Well, it, it all, it, it all, there are two, two things about that. Um, uh, he's, he is on the hook to tell everything he knows. Having said that, we don't know what all that is. Um, we, we don't know whether there's a direct implication on illegal behavior of the president himself or not. Um, that's the first thing. Secondly, with regard to the, the exposure Flynn had regarding failure to register, um, it, he didn't kidnap anybody, but there was apparently some conspiracy to, to talk about it, some consideration of it, and, and whether anything illegal occurred in those conversations I don't know, but I'm guessing that, that Mueller knows. But my point about that is he can still be charged with those, uh, with, with those crimes. He knows that. Um, it, again, it's, it's, it, it, it applies additional encouragement on him, shall we say, or extraordinary pressure to come clean with everything that he knows. We just don't know what he knows other than the fact that it had been reported that that he was keeping other senior people in the transition fully abreast of what he was doing. Um, it's not clear that anything he was doing in terms of conversations with the Russians was against the law. That's not at all clear. Um, there's no yet evidence that 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 collusion of the kind that was suspected and has been and has been sought there's no evidence yet that 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 collusion did in fact exist the biggest area of exposure for the president right now is that when he fired comey and he the former head of the fbi and encouraged in conversation prior to the firing uh, comey to see his way to let go of this Flynn thing. He didn't order it, uh, but he asked about it, encouraged it. Did that constitute obstruction of justice is the question. One. Two, if he had tried to obstruct, if he had said, uh, Director Comey, I order you to stop this investigation. That would have been, by, by any kind of normal measure, obstruction of justice. But, but, the, but there's a bigger question in this, Alan. Going on. It's not clear that, that's, that that would be a prosecutable defense by his own but Justice that, Department. Yeah, but there's a, bigger, there's a bigger argument to this, and this is the scariest part to me. When you have the attorney for the president, the president's outside counsel, Make a statement such as he cannot, the president cannot be prosecuted for obstruction of justice because he is under Article 2, the highest ranking law enforcement official in the country. That 
scares the living bejesus out of me. It doesn't That's scare me at all. Me. Here's why. why. Here's why. Because, because I, and I, you know, neither of us are lawyers. Um, no, I look at clear that question, that. and I think that's that's really interesting uh, line of line of argument, and and it's possible as I read about it and think about it that it's true that he couldn't be prosecuted in under by the Justice Department, let's say by by a by in the federal system for obstruction of justice because he can always fire people and order them to stop. The reason that doesn't scare me is because that's what impeachment is for. That's what drove Richard Nixon from office. It, he, he was clearly obstructing justice. No question well, about it. Well, you know it. what? It, um, it, and, it, and, hold on, and, Alan, Alan, real quick. Before we go, before you go any further, you know, if you say the word lawyer, lawyer, lawyer three times, it's like Beetlejuice. They will appear, and lo and behold, joining us on the line, he is the man that we know as our in-house legal counsel. He is former Democratic political operative and political operative for Vice President Joe Biden. He's Dan Lipner Esquire. Daniel, hello. Hello, all. Daniel, <laughs> and uh, I, I, I. Can you hear me? Yeah, jump in. Hello. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, well, let me just you. finish. Let me finish uh, no, no. my train of thought. I'm I'm glad that I'm glad that I inspired Dan to call up and get in on this, thinking, oh my God, I need this needs some rebuttal. Um, I, I was just I was, what I was saying, Dan. If you had if you if you had not heard, was on this question of whether a president can be uh, charged with obstruction of justice in the in in the normal course. Um, and and the argument that he can't because he is in charge of the Department of Justice, I said, I don't know the answer to that. If it's if if that's true, which others would have to decide, that doesn't freak me out because obstruction of justice is fits perfectly into the uh, the, the the normal. If, if there is such a thing, definition of a high crime and misdemeanor that would lead and could lead to impeachment. And it's exactly what drove Richard Nixon from office when he wasn't going to be charged by the Justice Department. He was caught in a conspiracy, in constant lying. He was clearly trying to obstruct the investigative process. Um, and the Senate was the the house was going to impeach and the senate was going to convict and they told the told him that and there are many consequences if you are impeached like sorry no more pension and things like that and uh and 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 nixon was gone i'm not accusing trump of obstructing justice all i'm saying is that they're trying they're they're, they're building that case and yeah, but Alan, Alan, there's relevant, one thing. I think there's, in the impeachment process rather than in the legal process. Alan, there is one factor that you are missing here: is that if you remember when uh, when Richard Dean was convicted in D.C. Superior Court in in federal court, you mean John Dean, I mean John Dean rather, when John Dean was convicted in D.C. Superior Court in federal court, Richardson was named as an unindicted co-conspirator. That 
sets precedence on one end. And the second thing about it is... Wait, who, who, wait, who, who was an unindicted co-conspirator? Richard Nixon was named as an oh, unindicted okay. co-conspirator. Okay. And as a result, that, I think, sets the precedence, and this is why I think external counsel for Donald Trump should be worried, that that precedent alone did not work for Richard Nixon, and I don't think will work for Donald Trump. Now, now that you and I, non-attorneys, have spoken about this, Dan Lipner, what say you? Well, the problem is what, what Alan is saying is actually correct with one glaring problem. Find me a majority of Republicans in Congress that are willing to stand up with integrity and actually take those moves. Right now, the Democrats are in the minority, and you still got to move things through a Republican majority. Um, I'm not, it's not clear to me that a majority of the Republican Party or the Republicans in office in Congress have that kind of integrity to move to even investigate let alone to actually take the steps toward impeachment. So do you, so Dan Lipner, let, well, let me ask you this question point blank. Do you in fact, at that point? Well, wait a minute, wait. A minute. Do, Dan Lipner, do you agree with Alan Moore that the president cannot be charged with any crime, let alone obstruction of justice, because of Alan Article Moore did not II? say that. What Alan did you Moore say? did not say that. What did so he say? You know. All right. What Alan did you Moore say? said, Alan Moore, I say that, that his lawyers believe that's the case. I say, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know if that's the case. That might be the case, and it might okay. not be the case. I'm certainly Fair not going to decide it. But even if it is the case, the key here is, in my judgment, impeachment. I take Dan's point about the politics, but we don't know enough yet. I mean, that's, what, that's why Mueller's there. If Mueller can spell out the compelling case of the president actively, consciously trying to shut Comey up um, in, a, in, a, in a way with, without him just acting on his own, but in a small group um, uh, that, should, that, that by all measures should know better, um, then it's a different kind of obstruction argument, and I just as with Richard Nixon, Republicans stepped up when they needed to, when they were faced with smoking guns all over the place, and said, Mr. President, you're going to be impeached, and we are going to try you in the Senate, and we, <laughs> and we are going to find you guilty. And Dan? he looked at that and decided to step down. All right, Dan? I think there are more Republicans with integrity then than there are now. Well, you're you're not, you're kidding, right? <laughs> you're just you're leap, kidding. You're leaping way Dan, ahead. You're Dan, assuming all this I'm information very, and very, evidence is there. Dan Lipner. No, I mean I, I I've been watching very carefully for who speaks up when and where, and the I mean as much as I dislike him, Trey is one of the folks that has spoken up. And to his credit, however, the silence is noteworthy on a lot of other fronts. The fearing the wrath of Donald Trump and the, the crazy base that is his supporters, not exactly profiles encouraged there. 
No, so that's correct. You're, but you're, here's, here's are, are the you, thing, though. Do you believe that Republicans today should be calling for the president's impeachment based on what we know? I think they should far more aggressively, based on what we now know, be opening up lots more channels of investigation. I mean, included in the list of things that we sort of know, the lawyers representing some of the parties are already proving to be a little iffy. Kushner, for example, repeatedly is getting nailed for disclosing information that, lo and behold, the Justice Department is discovering that, no, no, we have this email that you apparently didn't disclose when you said you had every other email. And it's happened multiple times. And it's not only the front. The president's lawyers themselves, that tweet, which they've now taken the bullet for the president, that some of this chaos, is one of those examples. These are not lawyers that reek of integrity here. One of the things we have to be cognizant of in all this, though, is the fact that, number one, I, I, I absolutely disagree with the idea of there being multiple venues of investigations in this. I think the fact that you have the special counsel's office under Robert Mueller, which, which only leaks out what it wants to make, no mistake about it is, the special counsel's office has a ton more evidence than they are letting out. They are not showing a poker face in this, which, you know, for the grand scheme of things, is good for the country. You know, we, you know, we just learned today that Mueller leaked, or Mueller and the special counsel's office announced today that, in fact, they've sent a subpoena to Deutsche Bank for Trump and Trump family finance. You know, this is a slow leak, which for an organization like the White House and like the Trump organization, which thrives on information distribution and the manipulation of distributed uh, information, they can't stand the fact that they can't control the information cycle. The big thing about that is, is that's what should scare everybody. That's the thing that should get everybody wound up is the fact that, number one, we don't – I don't think we know who half the players are that they've got lined up in their pocket. You know, the Papadopoulos reveal was a huge, huge landmine for the Trump administration that I don't think anybody saw coming. And I think that there are more of those than not inside the pocket of Robert Mueller, which, Dan Lipner, shouldn't that, instead of – trying to set the argument baseline of he's the highest law enforcement officer in the land, to me it sounds like I would start getting, uh, I would start subpoenaing and start getting uh, requests for, um, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, where you share the information with opposite, with opposition counsel. I'm having a brain meltdown. Talking about just the, the process of discovery. Discovery, yeah, I'd be getting discovery ready to go on this instead of not. No. But it seems that <laughs> it's way too soon. So well, the, the government does discovery. It's called a subpoena. What's let's that? Be careful. Yeah. When the government uh, uh, does discovery, it's called a subpoena. Correct, and you don't share it until you're ready to use it. Um, but I would be very careful charging the Mueller operation with leaking and selective leaking, we don't know where the leaks are coming from. They may be coming from him, and they may not be coming from him. 
I was fascinated by the Deutsche Bank uh, revelation of today, and we can talk or not talk about that. There's, there's, there's an interesting uh, Russian connection there, but 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 we don't know that that came from Mueller. It could have come from the bank. So just be careful, assuming that Mueller's got this master plan of leaks. Um, the, the, the grand jury, whenever there is a, a potential charge, is also a potential source of leaks. So just be careful assuming everything or anything comes from Mueller, from okay. the Mueller people. No, no, that, that in the case, all right, I can see that. But understand, though, this the Mueller organization is an organization that has tight – tight control, unlike we've seen in this town in the better part of a decade. Tight control on what gets out, what stays in, and what is actually happening. They are controlling the media versus the other way around in this case. Does that surprise you, Alan? You're you're assuming that they're leaking stuff. I am not not making that assumption. Wait, 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 wait. Even even the Papadopoulos reveal that we know was a statement put out in conjunction with Papadopoulos Defense Counsel by Mueller's office. Are you saying that you don't well, that believe public, that Mueller that, that public, and the special counsel's office statement. is controlling information? No, no, no. I'm saying that was that, what what I, what I'm arguing about is that that we can't accuse them of leaking because we don't know. When they go public, they go public. They went public with Manafort and Gates and Papadopoulos and people had been expecting the Manafort thing. Gates people weren't really even aware of his, his partner and the Papadopoulos sort of came out of the blue but they went public and at about the same time but that's very different from leaking. So, yes, they're systematic, they're thoughtful, they're careful. I just, you know, I don't know if they're leaking or not, but I'm not prepared to say they are. They have an enormous amount of discipline, and I agree with you. They have a lot of information. We just don't know what all it is. They have a plan. We don't know exactly – we don't know what that is. Um, And so I I bet every every newspaper person and and, and every media and – Real news, fake news, whatever entities trying to find out what Mueller's up to, and I don't. I think it's still pretty, pretty tightly, uh, uh, tightly closed. And I'm my hunch is the leaks are not coming from there, but I don't know that. Dan Lipner, I want to go back to the uh, attorney John Dowd comment of he cannot obstruct obstruct justice because he is the president under Article Two. He cannot be charged with obstruction because he is justice. Right now, it looks like, according to NBC, that uh, Ty Cobb, co-counsel for Trump external counsel, is disagreeing with Dowd. Should Trump be worried that there's that kind of disagreement in his top ranks in his legal counsel? I would care what lawyers disagree about all sorts of things. It's a matter of what the law and the courts say. So... That's why that's why we have trials. Uh, if the president wants to seriously make that argument in court that yeah I did it, but because I'm president it doesn't count, 
Good luck with that one. No, but the, the but the new story now, Dan, is that now Ty Cobb, co-external counsel for Donald Trump. Remember the original statement of they eat, that the president cannot be prosecuted was uh, sent out by uh, uh, Dowd, the other external counsel for Trump. This Ty, the story coming out right now, according to NBC, is that Ty Cobb is openly disagreeing with John Dowd and saying that, in fact, the president could be charged with obstruction, but he's saying that there's not enough evidence for obstruction of justice. Should Trump be concerned that there's that kind of division in his own legal team? I suspect it means Donald Trump's going to hire a new lawyer. I mean, there's not... I mean, that's the only conclusion to really draw from it. There are lawyers that say all sorts of crazy things, and Trump has not exactly surrounded himself with the best and brightest legal talent, um, most of which probably want no part of the of the taint of the Trump administration on their resume. I mean, there, there are great Republican lawyers out there. Uh, I don't think he has any of them. I don't think he knows their phone number or if – <laughs> or if he does, they don't return his call. So, <laughs> again, so I don't. I think this is. I mean, we can debate that point about what his counsels are saying, but Trump, as we've seen expressed repeatedly and through action and words, that this president looks for somebody to tell him what he wants to hear, not what he needs. Well, you know, while we're on legal troubles for uh, politicians behaving badly, uh, you know, I'm going to blow through the break real quick because there's other news kind of tied into this. Uh, number one, we could talk to uh, Dan Lipner. What is the basis? And the news story came out late yesterday that Paul Manafort had, had busted through his bail deal with DOJ. Do you know, do you know what that's about? Yeah, so the story is that Paul Manafort, who is under a gag order for part of his his release, um, apparently has been seeking to to ghost author a uh, op ed with some of his can't make this stuff up Russian contacts <laughs> in relation to uh, a, a ghost author and op ed and. So that apparently is a violation of his gag order, uh, in which case Mueller and his team are keeping back in jail, uh, which I'm suspecting he is actually going to go back to jail because viol- violating a, a judge's order does not exactly go over well. So uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, Manafort living at home and being under uh Indictment is one thing. Manafort living in jail, uh, where he doesn't get to have his, his, surrounded by his his luxury and his thousand dollar suits, uh, I, that that might change his tune. But we shall see. Does that? Let me ask you a question, Dan. Legally, if if in fact the judge does revoke bail and put him in federal custody. Does that entice him to maybe? Because the 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 buzz going around D.C. is Flynn got the deal, cut the deal to protect the son, or for whatever reason, Manafort refused to take the deal, and is now got the charges on him. 
that if the judge revokes deal, do you think Manafort starts singing? Depends what deal gets cut back. I suspect Manafort is about to lose everything he owns. Um, if indeed, I, and this is just speculation. We have no, we have no hard evidence other than what's gone out there. Correct. My, correct, my correct. guess is my 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 guess is the money that he, he got was he. And if that is indeed the case, everything he owns can be taken. So the only question is what is he. Oh. Alan, Alan Moore, does this um, yeah, pose vulnerability for? I was losing Dan at the end there, but just I mean, it was checking in and out. But I think I have the gist of it. So first of all, first of all, Dan committed a major, major slander on Paul Manafort. He talked about Paul Manafort's thousand dollar suits. Are you kidding? Those are fifteen thousand dollar suits. <laughs> <laughs> Give the guy a break now. So, <laughs> so thank, thank God, thank God um, we don't put this in transcript because then it would be liable. Those are the, those suits that he may have to give up. Um, and man, that's going to be a sale at Goodwill when those make their way through the system. But so, so let's 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 remember what Manafort. Did, as I understand it, what he didn't do. Dan, Dan was Dan was correct that that he was apparently engaged with some some old Russian friend, writing an op-ed, uh, working on an op-ed that presumably then would they would try to place not Manafort but this other guy or some third party that that was supposedly going to talk about the subject of Manafort's work for Ukraine. So that's the, it's the relevant it's the it's the content of this op-ed that he was helping with that appears, it's not slam dunk, it appears to violate this judge's order to say, basically, keep, you guys got to keep out of the public eye, you, well, you, Manafort and Gates, and not try to influence public perception uh, about you, the charges against you, and what you've done. So he can't go do interviews, for example, um, and he can't pin things in his own name. Um, it, it, he may well not be able to help other people who want to write something. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not quarreling with the notion that that violates the order. I'm just saying it's a little bit of a gray area here. Now, the, the, so 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 they're not going to throw Manafort back in jail over this much as you know some people might might like that what they're going to what they were on the verge of doing with him was um basically he put something like 11 million dollars worth of real estate four different residences um into some kind of of a of an escrow account that the federal government would have direct ability to garner um, uh, if if he were to leave the country, let's say. So this is his way of coming up with the, if you will, $10 million in bail that was, uh, that was referred to. So he put right. something worth more than that into a place uh, that, that 
that he can't get to, but only the feds could get to if he right. uh, if he were to skip the country. I don't want to get into, then, I don't want to get so, too deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but 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 he and he also was under house arrest and had right. to have a you know an ankle bracelet, a GPS attached to him. He couldn't leave his 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 home in Alexandria, Virginia. Right. He wanted, obviously, he would like to have been able to travel without any restriction. What was apparently being discussed was, we will let you go to any of the four houses that residences, one in New York, one in Florida, and stuff. And and you can take the bracelet off. Right, and that deals, but that deals since then. Well, no, no, no. The judge is looking at it. That was, they were on the verge of getting that deal, and it looks like, he, Manafort, queered that deal. So when you yeah. queer that deal, you don't suddenly go to jail. You go back into your apartment. You stay there. You don't have the ability to travel, even with limited, uh, in, 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 you know, into four or five states in the U.S. and take your bracelet off. You have to stay home and keep your bracelet on. That would be the, that would be the punishment in this particular case, I believe. That, that's really it stupid. Oh, it's Pardon tremendously me? stupid. Tremendously yeah, stupid. So, but then, but he's, I don't also think, he's, I don't think we're going to lock him up. Well, well wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Theoretically, he could be locked up. I agree with Dan. You know, depending well, on the mood of the judge, depending I, on the mood of the judge, the judge has the authority to revoke bail and either reinstitute sole house arrest or depending on how ticked off the judges and how blatant Paul Manafort was, the judge, in fact, has the authority to say, you know what? I can't trust you. You can't even listen to one simple order. Guess what? I'm going to put you in a place that you can listen to orders or at least teach you to listen to orders. You're going into lockup. I'll, and then we'll renegotiate from there. They can absolutely revoke. Yeah, I don't deny that. that you know, you, you, I, I was saying he's going back to jail. Here. I say, I don't think I don't see him going back to jail, but it could happen. I don't disagree, but, you know, it, it's a little bit of a gray area here. It's not a gray anymore, but, but the other question that hasn't, nobody's talked about, which I'm curious about, and we will learn eventually, is how do we know he was talking to this Russian guy? So what that tells you is either they've got some pretty sophisticated surveillance on him, which seems likely, and or uh, he's got more enemies than he knows. So, um, or both. You know, or some, both. Or, that's what I'm saying. And or. Um, so, so uh, we'll, you know, we'll see. But uh, I want to ask also. Uh, yeah, he did not have a good week. No. Hey, I also want to ask you, um, Dan Lipner, about the situation with. Uh, uh, the resignation today of Dean of the House, John Conyers, Democrat from Michigan. Um, was this a situation that, you know, we look at Al Franken and, and see the situation with Al Franken, you know, there's still talk that there may be two or three other members of Congress that are going to be outed on similar allegations here in the next week or so. Was this a matter of John Conyers finally saw no path to survival that he had to, in fact, resign today immediately? Um, I don't know. I, thought, I, mean, there, I, I believe the uh, health claim 
uh, from his family that this is pretty stressful in his life, and and it would seem with the settlement that there there is some there there. So I, I respect what John Conyers did, but if he misbehaved as a member of Congress and a boss, yeah, I think it's appropriate for him to have stepped aside. How big of a void does that uh, leave the Democratic Party? Like there, there. Dan Lipner, how much of a void does that leave in the Democratic Party? Uh, it'll, it'll be filled. The, the memory in this case, while John Conyers has, has, has done a good deserves a great deal of respect for one, uh, I don't think it'll be, it, it won't be as dramatic as people think. Okay. Alan Moore, so, you agree with this? Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm not one of those people who thought it was going to be dramatic. I think this guy peaked a long time ago. You know, he's been doing, forget the, the sexual harassment stuff. He's been acting in bizarre ways now for years. And you read about some of this stuff where he shows up in meetings in his pajamas, uh, changes clothes in his office in front of staff. It's not just women. Um, he he's he's lost way more than a step um, in recent years. Uh, so, you know, to think that he continues to be uh, an important leader in the House, I think, is 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 way too generous. Um, he's he's old and he's showing his age in all sorts of ways. It's a sad case. Um, uh, Nancy Pelosi got herself into a jam. By trying to defend him on a Sunday talk show eight days ago, talking about what an icon he was, and she hadn't seen the charges, and there was one woman, and it hadn't been proved, and so on. And then within three days, she was calling on him to step down because multiple accusers had come forward, credible, uh, identified uh, stories that, that sort of fit a pattern over a lot of years. So his, his sins were significant and real and, and occurred over a long period of time. Um, his, his situation was very different than, for example, the Al Franken case. Um, it, he tried originally, Conyers did, to say, well, let's have the ethics committee have a look, but it's, but it's not right. true. Um, and then finally, everybody was lining up against him. Um, right. And and it apparently was taking a toll on his health. And as you probably right. know, although he he doesn't call it a resignation, he says he's retiring effective right. today. Right. It's it's a it's an interesting way to to try to to to, to put some lipstick on the pig. But right. But he then said, and he wants his son to uh, to succeed him. Um, that 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 remain you know that's for for the the voters that's for the governor to decide right to, now to, 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 no the governor doesn't get the, you know and that's only in the senate they oh the, that's right uh, this have is to a special election yeah. yeah yeah interesting so hey uh the other thing i anyway, want to talk to you about yeah. alan before we go to break is uh or we can take this up after break i'll let this be your call is the situation with roy moore the yeah let's talk about the, it afterwards unless we want to spend the next 
15 or 20 minutes on it because I think it's Oh, because we are. Okay, we'll take a quick break. Yeah. Uh, we've gone okay. long on this segment, but we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Roy Moore and the flip-flopping of the White House and the GOP in support of said Roy Moore. This is Backroom Politics, the best political talk show you've never heard of, live on Blog Talk Radio from the National Capital Region, Washington, D.C. We'll be back in two minutes. Stay with us. Here in the National Capital Region for the best political talk show you've never heard of. It is Backroom Politics Live on Blog Talk Radio. Joining me on the other side of the line is the Honorable Alan Moore, former Undersecretary of Commerce and longtime Senate staffer, longtime Washington insider. Uh, right before the break, we were talking about people behaving badly here in Washington. We're going to continue that dialogue with people behaving badly in Alabama. For those of you who have been following the Alabama special election 
down in, to replace now Attorney General Jeff Sessions in the great state. The um, current Republican, one Judge Roy Moore, who has been accused of everything from sexual assault to possible child molestation uh, and predatory acts on a child, Many, many people not real thrilled in the Republican Party that this guy is, in fact, the nominee. At one time, it looked like that the Republican Party and the White House would pull its endorsement and support of said judge. This is also a judge who has been thrown off the bench at least two times that I can count of. Over the past few days, as it looked like that the numbers were kind of creeping in Judge Moore's favor, it now looks like that. The Republican National Committee and the White House and President Donald Trump have done an about face and decided to maybe we should support the Republican accused predator for the junior Senate seat in Alabama. Alan Moore, this has got me scratching my head. You know, for an organization such as the Republican Party, particularly with the evangelical Christian right, and for them to come back and say, you know what, we want Roy Moore, that defies all logic to me. How does the RNC rectify this with this membership? Or let me go one step further, does it care? Well, so you, you touch on a really interesting uh, point there, and it, it, with with the RNC, because the RNC doesn't is not a it, it, it doesn't make a product and make money uh, selling uh, uh, caps in the marketplace. The RNC gets its money from donors, from people willing to share their money with the RNC because they believe in the Republican Party and they want to support Republican candidates and. You know, as with many big donors, maybe they get a little bit of uh, face time with some powerful people or perceived as rich guys and get good seats at, at, at gala dinners and stuff like that. But it's donors who, 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 who are the drivers, who provide the fuel for the RNC. Well, how do these donors feel about the fact that the RNC to which they give money – to, based on some principle that that the, those donors believe in for the country, uh, has done an about face and decided we are going to give money, meaning donor money, to uh, <laughs> this guy who, by all measure, is a scumbag. Okay, now. I can say that. I live in Northern Virginia, and the people in Alabama, if they hear that, they resent that. It's the, 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 the elites of the North and the West and the big cities who are trying to tell the people of Alabama uh, their business and tell them who to vote for and who not to vote for. Um, so it's, it, the, the more – the Eastern press, the more the New York Times and the Washington Post in particular trash Roy Moore and express surprise that this guy who, uh, as you point out, uh, was stalking 
dating young girls, groping them, maybe molesting uh, at least one, maybe more. Let's, and let's um, be clear, it, Alan, let's be clear. It, the youngest, 14 years old. Exactly. That, I mean, this, that, that is clearly pedophile. Uh, pedophilia. Now, when you get into 16 and 17 year olds, it depends on the the, the laws. It's just nasty, sordid, ugly stuff that's sort of stomach turning. Now, he <laughs> denies it, right? And then he he's he, sorry to say, but he has adopted the strategy that worked for the president to simply say of female accusers. Um, it, it, at least in Donald Trump's case, I think they were all over 21, maybe, maybe not, but mostly they were at least of age. Um, he just said, nope, never happened. They're liars. They're all liars. They're part of a conspiracy. Roy Moore, who's acknowledged, yeah, sometimes he would date teenagers, um, uh, uh, has, has denied all of the charges from this growing uh, number of people, some of which there's some, there's some interesting documentation of knowledge of, of, of these people or uh, which, which they're also denying and saying we want handwriting experts to look at this stuff. So the, the, he's adopted the, 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 the president's strategy. The president looks at this whole thing and says, you know, <laughs> I wanted people to believe me when I said they're all lying. I guess I should maybe believe him a little bit. I don't know. Um, and we can't, you know, we need, we need every seat we can get. So there's this political expedience that, that, that overhangs all of this. And the, the concern about principle, about, about morality, about ethics, uh, not surprisingly, is always kind of a flexible notion that potentially negotiable. Um, and the Republicans, uh, not just the president, the RNC is helping him financially. Um, he's, he's, he's been outraised by his opponent in something like 10 to 1 because there's money flowing in from all over the country um, to, to, help, uh, uh, to, to help his opponent. Um, and his own money pretty much dried up. Um, and now some, of that, some money is starting to flow. Um, money helps. It gets you on television and helps you tell your story. Uh, the, the campaign is bizarre. Roy Moore almost has no uh, public appearances anymore. When he is, he's assaulted by by reporters or, or questioners saying, you know, what about this? What about that? Um, so their hope is that that because it's controversial and because there, there's so much outside attempt uh, to to influence the outcome now that the voters are saying it's up to us. The evangelicals and their support for Roy Moore beats the hell out of me. It just reminds me that I know very little about uh, the, the mind of evangelicals. I do get when, when they'll say there's a confessed sinner and we believe in redemption and, 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 and they will sometimes support such a person, but there's no, there's no confession here. There's no, there's no redemption with Roy Moore. Alan, here's the question I have for you. Is the RNC prepared to throw itself in front of this freight train for Roy Moore at the expense of bigger donors downstream for 2018. I don't know. I, you know, I, it, 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 
there's okay. Let me just say, and please don't say that it by saying this <laughs> that I'm suddenly in the Roy Moore camp. There is something to be said for the 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 letting the electorate speak. We have had That's convicted it. felons. Oh. There We've it is. Convicted He's in Roy Moore camp. Felons in the past. There it is. <laughs> Now, what I think will happen in the Senate, if he does get elected, there has to be an ethics uh, investigation almost immediately, and then that will take some time. The, 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 the thing that saved Roy Moore here, in my judgment, that got the RNC to rethink and, and maybe help turn the president around, who you will remember at the beginning said, if it's true, it would be disqualifying, but then later said, you know, he denies it all and let, let the voters decide. And a number of other Republicans have said, let the voters decide. The Senate, Repub the Republican Senatorial Campaign Committee, which raises money for Republican senatorial candidates, it's on the sidelines. It has not uh, uh, come back in here. But, but the point I was going to make about the, over, the sort of broader politics and the concern that um, electing him may mean that everybody who's up in 2018 is going to be paired with Roy Moore, that they're running uh, with their colleague Roy Moore, that Roy Moore, uh, the pedophile, endorses the candidacy of this person and so on. But the, 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 the emergence of Al Franken, who is, you know, whatever one thinks about the charges against him, he was a national figure, nationally known figure, and he copped to the sins early on. Um, John Conyers, who, who was a serial offender uh, over a long period of time, who's now had to uh, retire, resign, etc., in disgrace, um, means that the Republicans don't have to own this issue, that that, that there are others. There's a couple of other Republicans and Democrats in the House against whom charges have been made. One of uh, a Democrat, uh, the, uh, Mrs. Pelosi, has said should step down also. So it, it muddies the waters uh, a bit. But, and then I don't want to leave out I don't want to leave out the rethinking, which I had predicted a few years ago to the to the consternation of some of my <laughs> fellow discussants here that I think there was going to be a new look at Bill Clinton. And there has been, and it's going on, and there's a lot of, of sort of uh, regret about uh, the, the willingness of so many Democrats, including women, to just basically give him a pass. They liked him on policy, and they were willing to accept his sins. But his sins were significant. And, <laughs> I mean, there's a credible uh, charge of rape against Bill Clinton, which was just kind of nudged aside, pushed well, away. And, like, and so I'm just and, saying. And let's be clear. That was, nobody, that, was an, that was an allegation that was never truly pursued. Correct. Correct. Yeah. No, no, no. Wait, 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 wait. All I'm saying so, is so no, no party, no par neither party has clean hands here, and I'm guessing that the RNC was reflecting on it, on that and thinking, you know, maybe, right, maybe well, we do Dan need Lipner, to get what, back in this. Dan Lipner, what, what are your so, thoughts? It, it, it's important to know that Alan is right. He had a hand in 
none of us on the show right now are the best vessels to be talking about this since we are three men talking about this issue. However, that being said, the I think it's important not to conflate all crimes with as the same. So the uh, Conyers, we actually have a settlement there. So there is a, a, a not necessarily a, a statement of guilt, but a strong suggestion there there was something there at at least one case, and there are, there are more voices that are coming forward. The Al Franken issue, absolutely inappropriate. Seemingly doesn't rise to that same level. The Bill Clinton items, most of which were publicly litigated with, again, to Alan's point, Juanita Broderick is a different creature uh, as far as that being the issue. Um, everything else, at least one of which was actually litigated in court, that being Paula Jones, and the issue with Monica Lewinsky, there was never a question of consent. A, 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 a power dynamic, yes, absolutely, that can be in play. But it's these are issues that that can't, that need to be nuanced and paid attention to that they're not all the same now the fact that Roy Moore is an unrepentant sinner and the we're talking about minors uh it makes it this is this is this is Anthony Weiner world uh and worth noting we got rid of Anthony Weiner pretty quickly we uh, the wanting nothing to do with him uh, so the RNC getting back, get, get, getting back, getting back in bed, and I use that metaphor deliberately with Roy Moore, <laughs> is is a is a little creepy. Uh, so, and I come back to my previous statement about the Republicans with integrity. So politics matters more than the rest of the stuff, really. You know, um, you know what bugs me is on this, Dan, is the fact that the Republicans with integrity that you're talking about. More so than not, are, seem to be the ones that are announcing their retirement or they're not running for re-election. That's the problem. Is the problem I have with because everyone's the problem I have with my party, of, the problem of, I have with the Republican the, base. The problem I have with the Republican Party right now, particularly with the fact that they're on all in on Roy Moore, is the fact that they are literally putting the success of the party in the future in harm's way for the Trump White House to get a win to say, I'd rather have a pedophile, homophobic, bat-crap-crazy, disthroned judge in the Senate from Alabama than a conservative Democrat. That's what bugs me. This is this isn't shooting its nose off, this you know shooting its nose off despite its face. This is you know shooting its entire face off in spite of its face. This makes no sense well, to me, which and I don't know anybody that can Republicans justify how the RNC is moving forward with pushing somebody like Roy Moore into the Senate into a no-win situation when. The second he gets here, let's say that they do see him, within 48 hours, there's going to be an ethics committee investigation on Roy Moore. That makes no sense to me. Give me a lantern and I will continue to, and I will wander the halls of Congress looking for the Republicans with integrity. <laughs> but, 
Alan Moore. Alan Moore. Yeah. Let me say. Let me say. I was very surprised and saddened to see the RNC change its mind and get back into this. And when I was talking before, it was in the context of the 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 disgust um, and grotesqueness of that very fact and the fact that I think that that if one is worrying about numbers and you, as you talk about the future and I'm talking, I was talking about the donors, there are going to be a lot of people who say, I give money to the party for people who believe in a, in a certain philosophy and who are in my judgment, people of integrity, Roy Moore fails on all of those. I don't want my money going to that scumbag. No, I was make it, let me make it very clear. And I think there are a lot of Republicans who feel that way. Dan's mad because they won't speak up. I wish there was more speaking up, let me say, but it, this is, (laughs) this is very tough territory as people have learned. Sometimes when you speak up and speak out, it, it, it comes slamming back against you as you know, we've the, the corkers and, and, and flakes of the world are, 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 are going to serve out their term and, and step down. Um, uh, Sass from Nebraska, he comes and goes, McCain uh, comes and goes. Now, none of these people have, so far as I know, had anything nice there's, to say. You know what? There's about one. Roy, Alan, about Roy there's, Moore. There's one. There's one. Jeff Flake. Jeff Flake tweeted oh, today a check that he wrote to Doug Jones for Senate out of his own <laughs> private account. No, he I, is, what I'm saying is that Cork, Corker and Flake are leaving the Senate. So as Dan was pointing out, you know, Dan wants to see some guys who aren't leaving the Senate uh, step out and be more courageous. It's not that I wouldn't like to see that too, but I've, I, I find it really hard to put myself in the shoes of somebody who's elected to office, wants to continue to serve, and relies on 30, 33 to 35% of the American people who still seem to be willing to support Donald Trump no matter what. Um, All right, well, let it, me ask it, this it, question. It, let me, let me ask this question again. Back to the profile thing. The only way you well, fight it is by fighting it. The Democrats well, can't fight question. it. We have, no, we, we, we have no audience with those folks. The people who do have audience need to speak up. All right, let me, let me ask this question then. Is, is the Republican Party today, with the endorsement of Roy Moore and the funding back to the Roy Moore campaign, yeah, are they – call it an, the endorsement of, okay? Because the party didn't endorse. But go ahead. The fa- okay, wait, 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 wait. I, you know what? I, I, and, and, and this is this is what bugs me. And, 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 the, and the thing about it is, let me be clear. I have been a card-carrying Republican since I've been old enough to vote. And this, for my, if my party is going to play semantics and say that, well, we didn't endorse him, we supported him, that's garbage. That is that that is no, 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 absolute no. garbage. So, but you're you're 
you're equating the Democratic of uh, the Republican National Committee with the Republican Party. And that, that's just a, that's a debatable proposition. The, wait, 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 wait. The central party, the central drive of whether it's money, policy, etc., platforms comes from. <laughs> it's certainly not policy or platform, but go on. Platform yes, policy no. Platform yes, policy no. Platform instead of policy, fine. However you want to call it, the central organization of the Republican Party still comes out of the RNC. That has always been the case. That that continues to be the case. What we've had is a lack of definitive, true party leadership. Reince wasn't it. Uh, I would argue to say that our current leadership is not. Solving the problem We haven't had a decent chairman Since uh, Since Haley We I, 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 want, I want Haley back And Until we get that kind of Leadership again we're going to continue To shoot ourselves in the foot And, I, and what's going to happen is The party is going to sit there And they're going to say You know what we didn't endorse Roy Moore you give money to Roy Moore, if you send staff down to Alabama to get Roy Moore elected, if you are putting people in, in vans to get them to the polls to vote for Roy Moore, you are not only supporting, you're endorsing Roy Moore. And you're endorsing every piece of garbage that comes out of his mouth and that, in, that, in entirety, in totality. This party needs to separate itself from Roy Moore. This party needs to separate itself from the predatory, homophobic, bigoted views of what I can only call a jackass with a cowboy hat and a leather vest. That's, why do they sacrifice it? Why are they going to sacrifice themselves, Alan, for this idiot? It beats the hell out of me, and I, and I, I mean, I, I do believe that that uh, that it's a it's a stain that they will have to carry, um, and and we'll see what happens in the election if 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 more loses, which is entirely possible. All of this. Go, it, it mostly goes away. There are people who will remember that they made this pact with the devil, but mostly it will go away. If more wins, then the then the senators have got to figure out what the hell do we do now? And that's where I think, as you pointed out, very early on, there will be an ethics committee investigation. Those things take a long time. Uh, they don't have enormous resources. They'll they'll have to look and they'll have to decide whether uh, what an appropriate action uh, could be, up to and including a recommendation of expulsion, which still takes a vote of the of the Senate uh, and, and a supermajority therein. Um, but but uh, uh, it, I, I I hope. You know, I, I hope that, that, that the Senate doesn't end up having to put itself through that. Uh, this is one of those cases where it's like, hey, folks, if you don't have a way to stop a guy like that, 
even when all this stuff comes out, then you don't deserve that seat. Um, whether it's a one-seat majority, a two-seat majority, whether other things happen, you, 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 you don't deserve it because you've sold your soul to the devil. Right, but here's, but here's, here's the bigger problem, Alan. As long as, let's say Roy Moore wins. Let's say Roy Moore gets seated. Let's say that the, the ethics committee on day one puts paper in his hand that says, oh, you know what, welcome to the Senate, you're under investigation. That storyline is going to run ramshot through the news cycle, through the media here, not just here in Washington, but nationwide, thus putting a dark cloud over the Republican Party in the Senate and in Congress. We can't afford that. Trump alone makes our majority in Congress tenuous at best. And then this type of operation with Roy Moore makes it all that much more worse. You see Roy Moore, you might as well give the Senate back to the Democrats. You see Roy Moore, you might as well start getting real nervous about Paul Ryan keeping his speakership. This this is reality. I think, you know, we're starting I, I, to see... I, you disagree? You know, well, I, I, I do disagree. I think that sort of that Armageddon, a pop... A pop uh, apocalyptic talk uh, remains to be seen. This stuff tends tends historically to sort of fade in time. And if it goes into an ethics committee investigation, which I think is all but certain, if he is uh, uh, seated, um, that 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 then it disappears. Um, it the ethics committee is investigation of Al Franken. We're not hearing about okay, what's wait, going wait, wait, on wait, wait. In, that, in that investigation. Alan, it doesn't so, disappear, though. That's the thing is, it doesn't disappear. It stays. Let's say it disappears for a little bit, and it comes out the fact that, wait a minute, these charges are real. This guy's got to be ejected. By the time that the entire process gets through, we're on the heels of a 2018 midterm election. And that destroys the whole majority concept there. Am well, I wrong? I, 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 see, you speak with a level of certainty that I don't have. I don't know. Um, I don't know. That's true. That, That's true. You know, I don't know that this guy violated any laws. And if he did, the statute of limitations is, is, is up. So, the ethics committee can go, it can talk to people, it can put this devastating report together of all this terrible stuff that this guy did. Um, no charges can be brought, uh, as far as I can tell from what I, we know so far, and who knows what other stuff would, would come out and emerge. And you just want to go wash your hands and take a shower and think, I don't want to be anywhere around this guy, um, given, given what I know about him. But, but, but you know, he's got his own unique set of sins. Um, you know, there are other, <laughs> there have been other sinners along the way that people were really disgusted by too. Um, and, and, and most of this, the Roy Moore stuff, unlike the case with other politicians, is arguably known to voters, and they make up their mind anyway. There was an impeached federal judge who was elected to the House from Florida. I can't think of his name at the moment. Um, and he served. He may still be there. Um, uh, they were, Jerry Studs 
was messing around with a 17-year-old page. Um, uh, he was congressman from Massachusetts, and he was elected. Oh, you, oh trust me, I've, I've, got a, I've got a Jerry, I've got a Jerry Stud story from when I was a kid. He was my congressman. Oh, my God. <laughs> we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that off the air. But yeah, anyway. No, I, I'm just... You know, I'm just I'm just saying that that despicable is this. I mean, and this guy, I didn't like this guy before I learned about the pedophilia uh, in child molestation, um, and and that just was like, oh my gosh, over the top. It was, you know, but it's got eerie parallels to to Donald Trump and the uh, Access Hollywood tape and the women coming yeah. forward. And and he gets elected anyway. Well, the problem I have with this all right now is, is that there is no definitive leadership of the party. Everybody is scared of their own shadow. Nobody wants to be listed in a Trump tweet at 3 a.m. from his toilet. Nobody wants to be part of a Trump tirade at a rally in Des Moines, Iowa, at some point, somebody's going to have to show some political courage in the GOP and say, you know what, enough's enough. We cannot be the party of hypocrisy. We cannot stand up and say we're about family values and we're about protecting our children and law and order when you have a twice dismounted judge from the bench in Alabama who has been accused of everything from pedophilia to sexual assault. You can't have it both ways. And you you know what the bottom line here is, Alan, is not one single leader in the Republican Party has shown country over party, with the exception of maybe a Ben Sass, a Jeff Flake, a John McCain, uh, I would even, you know, a Corker, that crowd. Nobody well, is showing I mean, nation very over early, party. Very early on, you know, on this particular issue, um, Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said, I believe the women. He should step down. Now, Roy Moore has been running against Mitch McConnell, thanks to Steve Bannon's uh, crazy uh, theories of Mitch McConnell's power and how Senate majority leaders are, 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 are selected. That's a topic for another, another time. Um, but that wasn't why McConnell said what he said. He said it because he believed it. He hasn't changed his mind. Um, but Mitch, uh, Mitch McConnell has shown no leadership that's the problem. Well, what do you he want him to do? Like what would you have? He's trying. He's been trying to get a tax bill through the Senate, um, and I'm guessing that he believes that Roy Moore will one not win or two squeak out a victory, at which time they will deal with it. Um, but he's not going to spend time, energy, uh, uh, political capital at the moment when he's trying to get one this tax bill through the Senate and then through conference and keep the government running because the, the spending authority expires this Friday. So it, it, yes, it's, we're, we're devoting a lot of time to it here, but if you're Mitch McConnell, 
that is not the first, second, or third biggest issue on your plate at this point in time. It will come and go. And if, if, if Roy Moore wins, it will come back. If Roy Moore loses, he'll have one less uh, uh, Republican <laughs> to, uh, to try to get stuff done. But he's still trying to get stuff done. So, uh, but he, <laughs> And he doesn't want to get crossways with the president. Uh, you know, I, I got to tell you, it, 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 uh, it, it is not – the, the problem is, is that at a time when only 35% of the American electorate backs or shows any approval for the president, when the approval rating of Congress is at 11%, at a time when America is searching for – true political leadership, true nation above party, true political courage, this is the slate that we have. That's, that's what's upsetting to me. We have spent, you know, Alan, we have spent the past now almost 10 years on this, on this program trying to make, you know, bring back, you know, political courage, trying to bring back civility in politics, trying to bring back almost uh, the respect for politicians. And every time we fight that uphill battle, politics seems to continue to flush it down the toilet. We take one step forward, we take two steps back. This is exactly the time when we need to show that political courage can be found. Somebody can step up. The problem is nobody's willing to because they're all afraid of Donald Trump and his Twitter account. Somebody's going to have to, Alan. Well, That's the bottom line. You know, it, it's, 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 it's not that I disagree with the fear of, if you will, the Trump factor and backlash from the voters, but I will also argue that you, you're constantly dealing with multiple battles at the same time, particularly if you're Mitch McConnell, and he had a major victory whether whatever one thinks about the content of of the tax bill um and what it's likely to be after conference with the house it was a big deal a big major uh victory for mcconnell for for the senate for the republican party um and and uh uh and they needed a victory and they look at something like roy moore and they say oh my god Lord, what did we do to deserve this in the middle of all the tough stuff that we're dealing with? But we'll put that aside for now. Now, that's not to say that the RNC jumping in. I want to see what other Republicans have to say about that, because because they see that as branding them, as you were saying. I mean, that is the, the major party <laughs> identifier, a major party entity, um, and and. Uh, something that relies on uh, on donors of all stripes, genders, um, uh, and, and geographic places, uh, many of whom have to say, as we said before, I don't want a penny of my money going to that scumbag. So there's no cost. If I'm giving to the if I'm giving to the Republican Senate committee. If I'm giving to the RNC, I don't have a, I don't have any say in that. 
Well, so the, the, no, the senatorial committee, the Republican senatorial committee has not gone back in to, the, to that campaign. They are on the sidelines. And I don't see them changing that. Who knows? They're, but, but yeah, we don't know that. You've got to look at who the leadership is. The, the Republican yeah, yeah. leadership, the RNC leadership is selected by the party leader. And when your party is, is in the White House, that party leader is the president. So the yeah. RNC is a direct tool of the White House. The, the, the uh, Congressional Campaign Committees, in this case, the RSCC and the, uh, the what's the committee for the House, those are selected by the leaders of those respective chambers. So that's a different game. They're actually elected by their fellow members. The the RNC, I'm sorry? No, I said they're actually elected by their colleagues. It's the caucus that makes the recommendation. And oftentimes there will be a competition. There will be two or even three candidates for that job. God knows why. For the the chairman. the The caucus will decide. Right, but that's for the chairmanship. That's the committee is, no, no, is still. No, no, he was saying that the leader picks, and I'm saying the caucus picks. Oh, that's oh, all. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I see what you're saying. But, but let's be clear though. What Dan, what Dan's saying is correct. And, and Dan, let, let me also say, hey, you know, your party's not exactly exempt from criticism on this at all. You know, at a time when, you know, the Democrats have an opportunity to really capitalize. On this Roy Moore thing, Doug Jones really hasn't been lighting the world on fire as far as, you know, getting out the vote, as far as getting any sort of traction and, and capitalizing on what could be a great opportunity for Dixiecrats, conservative Democrats, to move back into the fold and show that they can have presence in red states. Well, that might be true and the might be true is worth paying attention to so the democratic brand in alabama mississippi in the deepest of the deep south not exactly the greatest thing in the world uh so having money that says uh dnc or dscc associated with it uh is a bit more challenging that is not to say that there aren't other ways of doing things, and there is a suggestion that there, there might actually be other help happening that is not quite front stage. The last thing uh, Doug Jones needs is them liberals in Washington, D.C. coming down and telling you good folks in Alabama how, how things ought to be done. Uh, so I, I suspect there, there, there are other ways that he is getting assistance. Okay, but here's the thing is. Right now, you know, if we want to look at polling and, and our ability on this show to handicap a race based on polling, we might as well try and come up with, uh, you know, cold fusion because we ain't going to pick that up either. But the bottom line here is if we were able to handicap this thing, looking at the numbers, uh, this, even though it is super tight, it looks like Roy Moore has not only closed up but pulled ahead of Doug Jones, Doug Jones should have kept him at bay. Is that not a party leadership issue? No, it's a bigger issue. And this is the, while I would agree with the United, with, with the Democratic Party keeping its brand off the, off the campaign at the moment, uh, I would 
disagree with the and this coming back to the the Obama years and not per, considering to pursue the Howard Dean 50 state strategy we can test every seat uh that that's what the Democratic Party needs to do. You can't parachute in once every election cycle. You got to do the groundwork. You got to be challenging it constantly. And the Democratic Party is simply seat of the territory. And lo and behold, the crazies show up like Roy Moore. So now it's not exactly flattering to the Republican Party that they couldn't stop Roy Moore either. And the Steve Bannon lunatic fringe has far more power than anyone knew. But that's the nature of the world, and the only way you can do it is by confronting it. Republicans need to confront it right now. Democrats need to be confronting it in the offseason so we are credible in those places. In Louisiana, Democrats are still credible. Conservative Democrats, but Democrats nonetheless. In Alabama and Mississippi, not at all. Getting a Democrat elected statewide in either of those places is really hard because the brand is – it, tarnish isn't even worth saying. It's not being maintained, and that maintenance requires work. And if nobody's investing, you can't do it. Well, yeah, I'll tell you what. Add on, I, well, I just oh, want to add to what Dan was saying because I, 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 I agree with him that, that uh, you know, how six months ago people would have assumed that Luther Strange, sitting senator, the guy appointed to take the the, uh, uh, the the Jeff Sessions seat when Sessions became Attorney General was the sitting senator had enormous uh, uh, built-in advantages um, and I don't remember you know that I'm guessing that Doug Jones just got into it because he you know thought who knows you never know and uh, and you know make a name for himself um, in in a, in a losing effort. Um, and he's he's not a great candidate, um, uh, and and he, I mean, I guess to his credit, he doesn't want to change positions to make himself a little more acceptable in uh, uh, in Alabama. One issue that's 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 been written about um, is the abortion issue. Alabama is one of the most conservative uh, uh, on the abortion issues of state in the country. Um, and many Democrats, when faced with that, you will use the old uh, Bill, uh, um, uh, Bill and Hillary Clinton line of we want we want abortion to be rare and safe and legal and and talk about all the things you can do to reduce the, the need I, for you know what? abortion. And, and Alan, yeah, and what, Alan, I agree with you. Yeah. It is no different than, you know, when I ran a Republican campaign down in Florida in a hugely conservative district, and I had a very moderate moderate candidate who was, in fact, pro-choice, when the question comes up, you say, you know what? You know, I am pro-choice. I hope they choose life. I hope that they choose the life of the baby. That's a simple fix, but it, it seems to me that Doug Jones and his entire campaign infrastructure can't get their arms wrapped around how to be like, you know, I look at Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin in Alabama would win. Why don't we have a Joe Manchin well, down there? Well, no, you, you, first can't of all, you cannot compare the states. 
Democratic Party, the, de- the the Democratic Party had two powerful Democratic senators and repeatedly kept electing Democratic governors in West Virginia. Byrd was there for what sixty years. I mean, right. There, there was a fair amount of power there. Jay Rockefeller, a, who you quote some of the coal miners there, our carpetbagger, uh, came in and invested the time and energy. It took a lot of work. And Manchin has spent a lot of time doing what he does and has and is walked a very, very thin line. To, to keep his position and to remain credible in and his state. You have a Name governor, a Democrat you have a governor in Alabama in that has had the, that, that stature in the last 40 years in Alabama. Well, it's okay. been since Howell Heflin, you know, stepped down, and, and they, these were very conservative guys. Um, right. Uh, but, but uh, yeah, it's just you, you don't – it, it's not an environment that nurtures um, – really smart, clever, thoughtful, experienced Democrats. And so you have people show up uh, to, to kind of be sacrificial lambs in these uh, elections, and then all of a sudden you're competitive because of the disastrous uh, stuff going on on the other side. And it, it's not that Doug Jones is such a, such a horrible person or, or, or anything like that. It's just that he's not a very good candidate. And on some of these issues, like the abortion issue, where there are ways you can you 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 can soften and respond to the environment around you. I mean, I have a grudging admiration for somebody who says, "No, I believe in uh, basically un, unrestricted rights to abortion." That may be a little bit unfair. I'm not sure just where he is. I just know that he's 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 basically said, "You know, I'm pro-choice." Uh, next question. Um, right. And it, it requires nuance and explanation and conversation and back and forth so that people say, oh, OK, he hates right. abortion, too, but he's trying to reduce the demand for it. But he'd like to keep it legal. Um, well, so, let me uh, I want to I, w- I want this to be the last word real quick uh, on, on, on the subject, because obviously we're going to keep an eye on it over the next two weeks till the election or actually next week is the election. I uh, want to keep an eye on that. Are we going to but, talk about what both Grassley and Hatch said about the the tax act that that just got passed and the uh, no, what, what working no. people are going to do with the money? No, we're not talking about. <laughs> no, I'm not going to go into spending all their money on uh, booze, movies, and women. No. And what's Next. wrong with that? Yeah. It wasn't like he's saying that they're going to blow all their money doing lines of coke off of the rear ends of hookers. <laughs> Just saying. So the one thing I do want to get to talk about that is a developing story here in Washington is that uh, several officials, including a couple that I've talked to uh, inside the administration, there are several media reports coming out that are saying that as of tomorrow, President Trump will officially recognize Jerusalem as the uh, capital of Israel. And there is speculation that Donald Trump may as go so far as to m- propose to move the embassy in Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. That is going to unhinge 
any possibility of stability in the Middle East. Dan Lipner, how big of a deal is this? Doing a heck of a job there, Jared Kushner. A heck of a job. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's going to be a disaster. Uh, there, there, there is no upside to it as far as the politics. The, it, it, the region is arguably going to explode. Uh, I, it, nothing good is going to come from it, but we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I, I wait to be proven wrong, but uh, this administration uh, ha- has yet to rise to the occasion to, uh, to, to, to clear even the lowest of expectations. This is going to be horrible. I mean, Alan Moore, this program has been very much support. Or, or the, the, let me rephrase that. The people who have appeared on this show, including our regulars, have been openly very supportive and pro-Israel in many instances. However, this, this move puts any future stability in the region in question. Is, is there – I never thought I'd ever, I'd ever be, see a day where I say this is, can the United States be too pro-Israel – to detriment of our national security and our economy. Well, I, it, it's sort of two questions. So that you could, you can, it, it, the, this is not, in my judgment, the best measure of being too pro-Israel. Um, if we said we're going to double or triple our aid to Israel, for example, that that would that would create all sorts of of, of problems. This one is all about perception. Um, I don't agree with what the president is apparently going to propose tomorrow. Let me make that clear. Um, the ramifications, I don't know. I, I read today or yesterday that, that, that the president of Turkey said, if America does that, we might have to sever diplomatic ties with America. I mean, it's, it's not just um, the, 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 the Israeli immediate neighbors. Um, there's there's regional uh, potential uh, uh, fallout from this that's just contrary to our and interests. And let's be clear, a NATO ally. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I thank you. I mean, it, it, it's it's uh, uh, what it means on the ground in terms of of uh, uh, Arab-Israeli peace. I don't know. I it, it it strikes me as too risky um, and not ne- and unnecessary. You know, we we we've we've made it U.S. policy to recognize uh, uh, Jerusalem as the capital and to move the embassy there and set it up so that it doesn't have to happen. And every six months, the president can decide whether to postpone another six months. A very bizarre, very very strange and bizarre kind of political compromise. And we've been postponing now for several years. I don't remember how far back. Um, I don't know if you got either of you guys uh, recall that. Um, and then all of a sudden, I think it, goes it, back it kind of Reagan. moves along. It's been a good while. Politicians run. Yeah, we're going to move it. We're going to move it. We're going to move it. Well, yeah, maybe we'll we're going to move it soon. We'll post. You know, we'll postpone another six months. We're not quite ready now. We're in a delicate conversation. We're in a sensitive this. We're in a problematic that. Um, so, uh, 
I, I, I'm not smart enough to know um, what, what's going to happen. It seems overly risky to me because I don't see any, I think the chances of something really good coming from it are minimal and the chances of something bad are significant. Why do you want to do that stuff? Is, is this, Alan Moore, is this, a, is this a matter of the arrogance of we know how to handle Israel better than you do, or is this lack of experience and naivete? I don't know. You know, it's not like there aren't some smart people who – who get a chance to weigh in on this in different ways. Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not defending the people immediately surrounding the president in the white house, but you know, even Jared Kushner, who we know is working on this stuff. He, he talks to a lot of people. Um, and, and, uh, and you've got, uh, you've got general Mattis, who's going to be aware of uh, implications in some of the other countries you've got, you've got Pompeo at CIA, You've got the Defense Intelligence Agency. You've got the National Security Agency. There's a lot of inputs um, that that are you know sort of gathered by McMaster, and you got John Kelly there. But, it's not like yeah, but this, there aren't some guys who can gather. Yeah, but this is a president that's never listened to those smart people, particularly no, the career people. I don't agree people. with that. I mean, no, he he he, oh. he listens some. Some. I mean, well. <laughs> Just because he doesn't do what 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 we what we think he should do most of the time doesn't mean he's not listening to some people. Now he's also talking to whack jobs and he's on Twitter and reading who knows what, um, and he may be calling in Steve Bannon. Steve, what do you think? But but uh, you know. And, and Dan, before you go any further, before you go any further, Alan, Dan, does that make you feel comfortable? Do you sleep well at night with what Alan just said? Not really. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, the president is being You know, talking to you know, talking to the crazies doesn't exactly do anyone any favors. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't sleep well thinking about it either. But he, you know, he gets a daily briefing from CIA Director Pompeo, and there's an opportunity. And he's a pretty smart guy, um, and they could talk about whatever comes up in their 20 minutes or however long it is all the time. It's it, it, it we sometimes think that the, the president lives in this bizarre Twitter universe vacuum, but he spends a lot of time talking to other people and gathering information. I don't like the way I don't like the Alan. framework in, that he started with. And I don't like what he does with that information, but, but it's not like Al- he doesn't realize this is a fairly big deal. Alan, but it looks clear. You said that the president does not live in this bizarre Twitter-fed universe, that's exactly where he lives. And the problem well, is, I say he doesn't. I said he doesn't just live in that world. He clearly lives in it, but he's he he has to <laughs> to be in that office all day long, take meetings, interact with Kelly, interact with Pompeo, interact with the the, the, the folks around him. Um, uh, have, he needs his happy. He needs his happy briefing. So. <laughs> You know, we, we we can you know there's reports we guess at some of what's going on here. I just I don't I don't know what is assuming this does happen uh, uh, tomorrow. Um, 
we don't know the whole process of, of how it got there. Stuff will come out. We'll hear more. I don't like it. I don't know, you know that the, it's going to be a disaster. You know, by the way, Dan, in, in speaking of the, in speaking of the uh, happy briefing, you know, th- there was, there was uh, word going around the White House at one point that the, originally when they were afraid to give him the full briefing, they used to call the daily briefing for the president the coloring book. That yeah, should make it. you nervous. I, that should make you nervous. Anyway, hey, and speaking of Donald Trump and Russia, the International Olympic Committee today has uh, banned Russia from the 2018 uh, Winter Olympics in Pyeongchang. And for those of you listening, Pyeongchang is in South Korea. I am sick and tired of seeing people on social media say, how dare the International Olympic Committee bring the Olympics to North Korea? Pyongyang is in South Korea. <laughs> Pyongyang is the capital of North Korea. So anyway, so in Pyongyang, South Korea, guess what there won't be? Russians. Does this surprise you, Ellen? No, 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 no. Not true. Not true. Not what? true. What? What's not true? You said there won't be Russians. No, let me let me clarify that. Let me clarify that. Please do. So, okay. So uh, the the official deal. That's the headline. The official deal is that the International Olympic Committee has banned the official Russian Olympic Committee from attending the and competing in the 2018 Winter Olympics. What the IOC has announced out of its headquarters in Luzon, Switzerland, it has said that if there are Russian uh, if there are Russian athletes that wish to compete and can pass a drug test conducted by an independent authority and the IOC, they will be allowed to compete, but compete under a neutral flag. Most likely, they will be competing under the Olympic flag, the, I, the flag of the IOC. So that's the reality. Correct. But – that's, the what, that's what I when you said there won't not, be Russians. I'm guessing there will be some Russians. That's all. Four or five. I don't know. It could be yeah, we'll 30. See. I don't, we'll you know, see. 50. We'll see. We'll see. It's we'll just see. that there won't be a Russia team. Does this, does this surprise you, Alan? No. I, I mean, it, 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 it takes some guts. I mean, the, the Olympic committees hate to be in this uh, policy, international political maelstrom and making decisions that are highly controversial that are going to bring uh, uh, criticism by the, the likes of Vladimir Putin. Um, but, but they had to do it. I mean, it, the, the evidence was so absolutely crystal clear from, from Sochi and then the, the Summer Olympics that the, that the Russians have continued to cheat by doping up these athletes. Um, and when you have that kind of evidence, there's got to be some integrity to the process. And so the, this is a way to punish the country and the Russian Olympic team, and potential, but not necessarily all of the athletes. If, if an athlete can show he's clean and been clean um, uh, and can qualify uh, skill-wise, um, then he or she can compete. We'll, it remains to be seen. Now, maybe the Russian government says, you can't go. I don't know how that will play out. 
Dan Lipner, I mean, you know, we've known about doping in uh we've known about doping for a long time in Russia. Uh the issue is is, is this too little too late for the IOC? Dan Lipner? I'm here, sorry, checking into a flight while doing a radio show is always an interesting combination. <laughs> so the sh- Make sure you get on the right plane, the, uh, Dan. <laughs> heading back to Miami. The, uh, I mean, the IOC is doing the best it can. I mean, when you're talking state sponsors of, of doping, the Russians are kind of good at this. I mean, it's not so much the too little too late, but, I mean, how much effort can you put into it, it when the people with just regular amounts of money can do it when, when the – when you have the whatever the the Russian KGB is now called doing things, it becomes much harder to fight. So you mean the FSB? I mean they did what they could. Yeah, you I'm mean gonna, the I'm going to go out on a limb and say, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go out on a limb and say tricking the uh, IOC is a tidbit harder than say breaking into the FBI or CIA, or a tidbit easier, <laughs> I should say. Easier, yeah. Thank you. By the way, we've got a caller and caller from Washington State. You're on with Backroom Politics. What's your question? Oh, you know what? I didn't have a question. I just wanted to say thank you guys so much. Uh, it's great listening to your show. I'm laughing all the way right now with about everything that's going on with any Trump supporter. It's so funny to laugh in their face now that the Russian probe and everything's going on. It's so great. So just thank you guys so much. Well, not a problem. We're trying to keep oh. it balanced. We're we glad that we Republicans. We're glad we we re, we're glad we Republicans can keep you amused because we're dying out here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good grief! Uh, last last ten minutes of the show because we, we've gone with only one break, which this has been a marathon show just for three of us even. Uh, I'm going to go around the, the horn. What did we miss? Alan Moore, what did we miss in two minutes or less? Well, the, the, I, I, t- I just, I made a brief reference earlier. I mean, of course we, <laughs> we didn't talk about North Korea at all. And that's probably the biggest risk to the country right now. But the, the, the most immediate thing is that the, the government runs out of money by Friday and the Democrats, are saying if you don't fix uh, the, the 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 dreamers, the kids that were were brought here illegally, but by par- when they were children by parents and give them some kind of legal status, then we're not going to continue uh, government spending. And the Republicans are saying we're not going to shut down the government. And it's another one of these these unfortunate artificial made up uh, crises that we have uh, every year. They'll sort it out. They'll be around all night. Um, and they have to they, they 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 have to sort that out. And in the meantime, the 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 Senate did pass this this uh, bill, uh, much to the surprise of many, uh, in, including to some extent me, and uh, and are now trying to to work out some kind of a conference agreement. All the complaints about this being the worst uh, tax bill or piece of legislation in the history of the world, way overblown. We don't have time to talk about that. I'm not a fan of the bill. Don't get me wrong. But but uh, this is not Armageddon, and it's uh, it's not as 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 one of us said, uh, 
recently uh, reverse Robin Hood, stealing from the poor to give to the rich. It doesn't do that, but but it, it's got a whole host of issues that are warrant a, a longer conversation. Those fat cat uh, graduate students have had it too easy for too at? long. What's this? Uh, well, <laughs> I said those fat cat graduate students have had it too easy for too long. Soak them, I say. Uh, <laughs> what do we to, miss, Dan? To, uh, but uh, no, I mean, I, I mean, I think going into the weeds on the tax bill, uh, we, we we missed some of it, and also. Uh, and I, while it's comical what uh, Grassley said and Warren Hatch also making his comment about the uh, S-chip, there's just not enough money for it while cutting taxes galore in other places, um, that does go to, I mean, we're no longer talking, you know, implied meaning. This was said out loud by two of the most senior Republicans in the Senate who both are kind of res- well-respected. So, I mean, going into, you know, when, pe- when pe- people tell you who they are, believe them. Uh, I, didn't he- I haven't heard a whole lot of Republican voices saying that they were wrong. It's the same sort <laughs> look, of thing. Look, look, I love Chuck Grassley, but this is not the first time he said something that's kind of made you go, whoa, 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 what? Well, said it while orchestrating this tax bill. It's not, it's, it, I mean, this, this is not just the three sitting here talking into the wind. These guys' voices matter, and their, what their decisions also matter. It's finding its way into law. Well, the tax bill is obviously going to go into conference, and we're going to keep an eye on that and probably bring it up uh, before the end of the year, as this is supposedly Donald Trump's Christmas gift to America. Uh, just don't unwrap it till December 25th because, one, the stench might overtake the house, and two, we don't know what's going to be in that package. Two things. Number one, I want to give Senator John Tester, Democrat of Montana, kudos for going on Twitter and showing that what showing how the sausage is made. When he got his tax bill, copy of his tax of the tax bill for review. 21 minutes before vote, there were literally handwritten notes in the margins that he had to interpret that was being inserted as language to the tax bill going to the floor. And he showed the fact that, A, it was illegible. He still is not convinced that there is enough. Uh, I, he has no idea most of the language in that tax bill was as he went to vote. So, Thanks for showing America how the sausage is made, Senator Tester. But the other thing we it's did not talk done. about, which, what's that? It's how it's done. It happens like that all the time when you're when you're making I, a, doing amendments on the floor. Like like I said, it he yeah. was showing I mean, America like how the sausage is made. You don't like to see like it. It's never happened before. All no, I'm no, no. I'm not, not saying like it that. is. I'm just saying it, it. John Tester was the first one to show it in open in open Snapchat Twitter video form. Good for yeah, him. But he was ridiculing it. He was ridiculing it making it sound like it was it was somehow wrong and inappropriate. That was the problem with it. Right. Right. I didn't say there wasn't I didn't say that there wasn't some spin that he was taking on that. That I agree with. Anyway, the other item that we not talk about, but we're going to keep an eye on it because there's going to be a ruling on this. We'll probably talk about it once the ruling comes down is that the Supreme Court is in fact taking up and actually
actually kind of wavering back and forth on the infamous uh, same-sex wedding cake case, where the Supreme Court is hearing a case where a same-sex couple trying to get a wedding cake for their nuptials out in Colorado were denied the cake by a baker on the grounds that the baker did not want to do the cake on religious grounds. Uh, it has now gone through the full judicial system, through the appellates, and now all the way up to the Supreme Court. And the word on the street is it is 4-4, and the one judge that could be the impactful vote either way is, in fact, Justice Kennedy. And that is going to be an interesting one. And the question he's dealing with is, is a wedding cake a form of expression, or were were the same-sex couple discriminated against and denied services due to those who were not of same-sex matrimony? It is going to be a very, very delicate and interesting question that will come down to one judge, and we do believe that judge is going to be Kennedy. But we're going to talk about that in greater detail, obviously, when the ruling is handed down out of the Supreme Court. With that in mind, on behalf of Alan Moore, Dan Lipner, I am your moderator, Justin Russell. We will be back next Tuesday uh, with political discord, political dialogue, and showing you why we are the best political talk show you've never heard of. This has been Backroom Politics Live on Blog Talk Radio, live from Washington, D.C. You can follow us on Twitter, at Backroom Politics. You can follow us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Radio. Uh, you can also uh, tweet me at First Congress Guy. You can also email me, Justin at backroompolitics.org, with comments, suggestions, or questions. Thanks a lot for listening, America. We'll see you next week. Bye bye. Bye bye. This is Backroom Politics.